0: Identify yourself. Lieutenant Sulu of the Starfleet vessel Enterprise. This is First Officer Spock. You're a Vulcan. I feel no pressing need to talk to a eater of roots and leaves. Humans, at least, are omnivorous. I am chuffed captain. You are prisoners aboard the privateer
1: Traitor's Claw. Welcome everyone to Star Trek Essentials by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt, joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello,
0: Matt. Hello, everyone. Here today to discuss our uh, penultimate listener selection, the animated series, The Slaver Weapon.
1: Now, Pete, can I assume that you are a Slaver War computer? Can I assume that you've been turned off for a very long time, but there was a war on? Can I assume that you would think that we are up to no good,
0: twist my witter shuns <laughs> until you reach the null position
1: <laughs> uh, not a metaphor, Pete, let's dive on into the slaver weapon chosen by our wonderful listeners.
0: episode fourteen of the series here, which aired on december fifteenth nineteen seventy three We got that uh cold open with the uh the credits there with the the funky music. And um, an episode in which only three members of our intrepid Enterprise crew appear. Do you know why that is, Pete? Because they couldn't gather them all together at once for the voice money?
1: You might think that, and there certainly uh, are some indications online that that they couldn't get William Shatner. However, I know that for at least part of the animated series run, he was recording... um, on a on a reel-to-reel tape machine while he was doing stage work and sending the tapes in it's because this is based on a larry niven story in which there are two humans and their uh their their herbivore alien friend on a on a spaceship that uh run into the kazindi and uh and the plot basically unfolds much as it is in this episode so it's it's lifted uh, with permission with uh, author crediting from uh, another <laughs> terribly similar story there you
0: go so we start with the rather odd looking shuttlecraft copernicus looks nothing like any other shuttlecraft we have seen on star trek to date uh in route to starbase 25 not 25 matt 25 uh with how they cargo. talk in,
1: in the military
0: yeah of a slaver status box discovered on the planet Kazin.
1: And it's at this portion of uh, of the story where some of the, uh, how do I put this kindly? Some of the areas where the animated series isn't strongest uh, are, are most obvious. As Spock is giving some of the background here, there's kind of a dramatic pause where it's like, spock reaction shot uhura reaction shot sulu reaction shot then spock reaction shot just stretching the moment out as it's like yes okay just you can just keep us you can just keep giving us exposition about the things that are going on it's okay we're used to that you can just (laughs) you can just set things up for the episode
0: the cartoon exposition though uh can, can be a little rough Um, and once we have this reveal that Uhura and Sulu are also in the shuttle, the explanation that time stands still within these boxes, a billion years inside of it means nothing. Uh, Uhura, of course, has, uh, studied these slavers, um, the uh, they were masters, but uh, one race revolted and it created a situation where evolution had to begin all over again. But Matt, wait, the box is beginning to glow.
1: Indeed, proof, we are told with um, n- not a lot of justification why this is, but proof that it must be close to uh, to another slaver weapon this is something that spock finds curious uh they're getting close to the uh, beta Lyrae system which uh which everyone pulls over and rolls down the window to take a look at um so it's curious to him that in such a heavily traveled area there might be a second box by the way pete though many times the animated series uh is lacking in terms of uh visual complexity uh, this is a portion of the story where the Beta Leary system looks wonderful, full, and a little bit. We're going to get the caverns of the icy moon that are that are pleasant to look at. So it's not all lousy animation; just <laughs> just, just a large part of it. Side note: I recommend if you're going to watch the the animated series, treat it half as like a radio show. So if you're doing something else, folding your laundry or whatever, it actually kind of improves it to listen to our to our stars.
0: As they investigate the system here, it's further explained that these slaver boxes are pretty much like the Cracker Jack boxes of the universe. Um, There was a flying belt in one that was the key to the anti-gravity fields on starships. There was another. The dud prize was a disruptor bomb with the pin pulled. So uh, open with caution.
1: Indeed. Surprise, claw face. The bomb's about to explode. Um, pretty soon they are they're out on that lovely icy moon uhura says she hates these small icy moons we also get to see the life support belts uh which if nothing else it's a neat invention for the animated series to obviously take the you know take the the, the pre-drawn characters put a little yellow highlighter around them and up oh, now they can go under the sea into space onto. To to craggy moons and outcroppings and the like. So I know it's not something that obviously was carried further into the live action stuff for obvious reasons, but it, it, it's a fun solution to, to what animation can give you.
0: And it's here in the story that we get the Sleever box paradox, which is how did you find the first one? If you need one to locate another one, Matt,
1: uh, Pete, wasn't it something like, uh, like with many things, dumb luck, play the role. What's the exact sure quote? Sure accident. Sure accident. There you go. Uh, We also, in short order, get uh, the Kazindi themselves attacking our crew. Hey, they're not supposed to have phasers or anything beyond that. Just to have space police craft.
0: So after they are all phasered here, Spock takes this responsibility Um that they possess these weapons they're on board their spacecraft craft they're not supposed to have phasers by order of the treaty of cirrus but uh only police so are these police they're on a police web whatever the hell that is
1: it, again so much of the animated series is trying to come up with um solutions to the fact that even though animation is so much cheaper than live action this is still a, a a rather cheap cartoon but there's so much of star trek that's like that too you know where you have to come up with uh, interesting solutions to not being able to show what you want or do what you want the fact that they're on a stolen uh, police craft lets them have weapons lets them have this police web which as goofy as that sounds it's something the police have they put guys on it it's a web so people can't move hey i guess that worked out well um, that gives them the craft, the weapons, the, the means in which to keep our uh, our heroes imprisoned and also imprisoned in a way that doesn't require much animation because you stick them on a web-shaped thing and go, surprise, you can't move.
0: The next couple of exchanges are maybe the most complex I've ever heard in a cartoon. Spock explains that the lean, bedraggled Kazinti is a reader of minds Uhura then explains how uh, she's heard that they are unhappy neurotics, and then Sulu is told by Spock to uh, think of eating a raw vegetable because that will turn the mind reader off. Matt, what just happened?
1: pete what just happened is the wonderful world of science fiction of of this uh, larry niven story is merging is meeting with the world of star trek and we are going places and meeting going to places and meeting creatures the likes of which we never could have on live action tv um let's also not forget pete that the kazindi they're sure like thieves what was stealing all the slaver boxes but they keep losing and uh losing fights with the federation they're owned for but you know what pete they wouldn't mind eating some human meat <laughs> because that's thrown in there too that they are they're, they're not just they're not just carnivores but they they wouldn't mind the taste of of some of sulu's man flesh
0: um spock also tells uhura to try to look harmless um that she must have forgotten that kazinti females are dumb animals um and many forget that the human female is an intelligent animal boy we're not showing the age with which this was written at all
1: well to to defend the narrative I think that they're able to they're able to have their sexist cake and eat it too. Uhura is asked to be as a dumb woman, and she is shocked. And Spock, in, in something that I thought echoed rather well through the through the ages into the uh, into the J.J. Abrams universe and whatnot, Spock saying essentially, Uhura, I know your value, but you have to play this up. You have to use their their stereotypes and their short-sighted thinking against them by by sliding into this role temporarily i'm certainly not uh i'm not saying therefore female listeners be dumb broads uh, in order to get ahead pete i kind of view this as a variety on the old sick prisoner routine uhura play dumb prisoner so that we might outsmart our captors
0: but the uh, chuffed captain here, Matt, of the privateer trader's claw, a stolen police vessel. Um, yeah, he ain't having it. Uh, these these thieves, though they may appear, um, have uh, captured what Kazinti archaeologists found in these boxes. And uh, they think there could be weapons that will help them. Uh, break this losing streak the last dating back over 200 years against starfleet
1: and pete what's in the box but a doll in the shape of the slavers maybe some billion year old still fresh meat and a mysterious weapon uh, this is done right around the same time that the Kazinti Telepath says he can read Sulu with difficulty, but surely Chuffed Captain won't force him to read Spock and Uhura. Spock's an herbivore, and Uhura's a woman. And even Sulu can block the mind reading a bit. Pete, in the best line of Star Trek ever, the Kazinti Telepath says that Sulu is thinking of yellow root munched between flat teeth. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is a wonderful episode because it dares to dream. It doesn't always yeah. stick the landing, but it dares to dream that the universe is a big, broad place over billions of years with strange creatures and and and, and interesting traditions. Its scope is broad even though its its execution is limited.
0: So despite humans always having superior equipment, uh the Gazinti are in search of a weapon to defeat them at last. Sulu thinks that though they have stolen the ship, they might be working for the Kazinti government, which they maintain. They aren't, uh, this picture of a green one-eyed creature inside the box. There could be a slaver. No one knows. Nobody's seen one spent a billion years in the box. Um, and this green item here seems like it could be the end of mankind
1: it seems that it's a weapon that can be shifted into different forms including a serviceable telescope and a laser of some type sulu as the kind of um not not the real leader we know the whole the whole naval rank system that starfleet uses but sulu as the the human male Um, despite his uh, eating of uh, yellow root munched on flat teeth. uh, He just stands there tough uh, as they shoot the the laser in his direction. Doesn't hurt that less animation also means less to animate too. So good job by standing still, uh, Sulu. And Pete, it's around this time that for the first of a number of times, Uhura makes a run for it and gets shot. (laughs) Yeah. uh,
0: This hairdryer one minute (laughs) helicopter looking thing the next device uh which eventually shoots flames um the telepaths suit is ruptured Ahura gets away for a second but uh you fool human females are intelligent
1: right they suddenly remember now that she's on the run uh there's also another setting the fifth setting that's an energy absorber uh, which, of course, the Kazindi don't recognize because the lights in the cave turn out behind them and they're facing the wrong way, but, but our heroes see it. Pete, they realize that the police web has now let them go, so Spock tells... Oh, I should mention, by the way, Uhura's okay. She's brought back to the police web. Uh, Spock tells the other two to run for the shuttle in a zigzag. Spock takes the weapon. Uhura makes a run for it and gets shot again. She,
0: she rick oned
1: out. She did rickon out. Um, I guess she didn't zigzag enough,
0: or she's not seeing Game of Thrones,
1: which which is interesting, Pete, because you think that in the future they still would be watching Game of Thrones, but I don't know.
0: The the books aren't done yet.
1: <laughs> That's true. The 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 uh, disembodied head, uh, <laughs> the, the the brain of george rr R. martin in the future has been transferred to a positronic web and uh, he's still he just needs to get things just right he, pete he's like young jake cisco from last week's uh, star trek essentials he's, he, he just has to get that paragraph just right
0: he does he does um but uh with uhura down uh sulu and spock on the loose worried that they will call for backup the kazinti here uh spock in action exposition explains that when he kicked chuff captain uh that was a calculated move matt
1: why well because it did damage to chuff captain and chuff captain will not call the home base for help because chuff captain has been beaten by the root eating spock chuff captain needs personal revenge Yeah, (laughs) it all makes sense.
0: Sulu wonders if this slaver weapon isn't the product of a spy, given the number of settings that it has, including the null setting that seems to have no function. And it's just at that time that the ship, which looks suspiciously like a Romulan ship from the original series leaves and then they want to bargain or uh spock and sulu matt will face harsh action
1: by the way pete do you know why it is that the wise sulu can tell that this weapon was used by a spy and espionage agent here's a quote pete we don't know a common slaver soldier couldn't handle them it's just delightful, Pete. It's out there. It's 1973. I don't know if in the Star Trek, the animated series writer's room, if they had any jazz tobacco cigarettes. But there's just wild, wonderful goodness going on here. And we don't know a common slave or soldier couldn't handle them.
0: No, we don't. I know that I can't.
1: <laughs> As you mentioned, Pete, the question here, will they trade the weapon for Uhura? It's also mentioned after the act break that chuffed captain wants single combat he after all has two broken ribs uh spock says something about how the ribs also have vertical growth thinguses so therefore a broken rib while broken is not as broken as it would be say for a human the spock the odds are is it 16 to 1 that he would lose 16 to 1 against spock
0: And then that null setting turns out to be a uh, total matter converter that uh, basically blows up a mountain and produces a massive shockwave that results in, you guessed it, police web once again.
1: I like, by the way, Pete, that the time it takes for the shockwave to hit Sulu and Spock is just enough time For them to explain what's going on. And then they're sent flying. Oh my. And then as you mentioned. Captured again. The weapon has reformed itself. And uh, there's a little mention there. The Kazindi are worried. After all they have legends of haunted weapons.
0: Yeah. Sounds like Suicide Squad. Doesn't it? Um, The next setting starts to beep. Uh, They are frightened by it. Uh, And a computer... Uh, within it begins to talk here Uh and it explains the mission. And unless they can uh utter the code words, it will not cooperate.
1: Indeed. It, uh, it is at this point that um <laughs> the wonderful line, perhaps the second best line ever in Star Trek, twist the Wittershins until the null setting is reached. It's so true, Pete, that's, 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 that's our world, isn't it? Um, Spock then logics us through it. The weapon clearly must think that it has been taken by an enemy and is uh, therefore kind of edging ever closer to, uh, to a self-destruct mode. At which point Pete, it promptly self-destructs.
0: Yeah. They think uh, that it was a disruptor belt. They activate their life support belts No sign of the weapon here. Sulu immense. It would have looked good, Matt, in a museum. That thing belongs in a museum.
1: Pete, it makes me wonder if the life support belt has anything to do with a dance belt, but, but I digress. Uh, The episode ends on a rather um, slightly ominous note, slightly. Here's your lesson note. Uh, Neither of which are particularly over the top. The war of the past almost spilled into the present. This weapon From a billion years ago, almost being put in the hands of the Kazinti to reflame their war. Aren't we lucky, Pete, that the past has not spilled into the present, causing further destruction?
0: And the Klingons could have gotten it, or anybody else might have tried to possess it. But this ancient superstition, weapons haunted by owners, I guess those Kazinti will never get over it at this rate. (laughs) Ha 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 ha.
1: Oh, those lesser kazinti that we can push around as the majority <laughs> indeed and perhaps maybe not the greatest takeaway but but pete as we reflect on this episode starring leonard nimoy george takei nichelle nichols and of course majel barrett as Slaver weapon computer voice and james doohan as chuff captain kazinti Talbath and kazinti flyer um interesting by the way this is i think one of like six classic Trek era stories in which, uh, Leonard Nimoy appears that, uh, that, uh, Kirk does not. Um, regardless though, what's, what's the essential takeaway here, Pete? What's the lesson that we can be all left with
0: this weird, wild setup of a story that in any other science fiction medium just would not come across. Um, particularly with the stable of characters that you're talking about, that we can have a original cast Star Trek episode without Kirk and still get it done. Uh, Spock as the commander, Spock as explainer, as action hero, as much as Spock ever does. Um, And, this idea that there are things in the universe we don't understand that predate us that that will pass us by really kind of a a meta look at this something that the original series hadn't done as much
1: let's also not forget too that it's december 1973 and in in our saturday morning cartoon we have the alien Spock, okay, he's interesting and you know, one of the one of the stars of the original show, et cetera, et cetera. And an Asian man and an African American woman, those are your heroes in this story. That's that's no small feat for 1973, I dare say.
0: Not at all. And to to bring it all together, to do this on a Saturday morning, to put it out there. I mean, listen, that they were able to reconvene the majority of the cast and get them to record for this cartoon for two seasons was a minor miracle in itself that we're still talking about. It shows the everlasting appeal in this, the 50th anniversary of star Trek.
1: And I think that's part of what's so redeeming about this episode. Is it weirdly paced and does it offer some strange story dead ends? Like, look there is fresh meat in there the fresh meat is poisonous we shall not discuss it again even though it was mentioned in two separate scenes sure but it's just it's wild it's out there it's as you mentioned pete it's it's exploring this expanse of time and space and um I, i don't know there's just there's a charm to it even though it's it's a somewhat strange episode strange by the way down to the pink uniforms of the kazinti pete do you know why the kazinti wear pink uniforms
0: probably that's the color that they chose
1: director hal sutherland of of uh the the animation production here was colorblind did not know what color he had chosen for them and he apologized to writer Larry Niven for uh, accidentally choosing pink.
0: What are the odds that the guy who does that are colorblind?
1: <laughs> and doesn't have in place somebody to be like, what, what is this and does it work? But he, it's all about inclusiveness, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. You even have a colorblind man directing an episode of the Star Trek cartoon for kids. It's a beautiful time to be alive. Pete, let's look ahead to next week, which will be concluding our, uh, our summer run of Star Trek Essentials. What are we going to be covering then?
0: The classic Star Trek, the original series
1: episode,
0: City on the Edge of Forever
1: so i'm uh, i'm excited to to talk about that episode i know you are as well pete i know that some people uh had had voiced support for other episodes don't think that we've lost that list either uh between the various goings on not just for our star trek podcast here and talking more in the future about star trek discovery as that comes into greater and greater focus but on our other podcast uh, uh, features, as we start to get into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, other Marvel stuff like Luke Cage, if we have weeks where there's there's not a S.H.I.E.L.D. and there's not a Luke Cage and we're not at Star Trek Discovery yet and there's no news and et cetera, et cetera, we're going to be uh, continuing to mine the 50 years of Star Trek goodness. So, so. I know Mirror Mirror was mentioned uh, a couple of times. So, so hang on to those dear listeners. Hang on to those wishes. Keep sharing your thoughts on what the essential episodes of Star Trek are. And uh, and we'll see if we can't get to them between hither and yon.
0: Matt, I want to take a moment here to thank everybody for heading over to patreon.com forward slash fantastic geek where you can contribute to uh this podcast other podcasts that we do uh and even get yourself a little something for doing that
1: indeed always appreciated uh for for those who have checked it out those who continue to support operation fantastic geek and make sure that the uh the podcast storage and bandwidth costs that we do uh we do accrue to make this uh to make this thing happen uh that that they're helping us out along the way so Thank you, one and all, and uh, thank you, dear listener, who, uh, who might go check it out there. But, Pete, of course, as is oft mentioned, the greatest gift is one that comes pro bono, 100% free, is talking to you on Twitter. How can people do so?
0: You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J K L R K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 8,208 followers. Can't be wrong.
1: And while I am personally on Twitter, is Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a whole host of ways. You can open Healing Frequencies, where we are Fantastic Geek, that is fantastic with a P, and an H. You can find us under that name on the dot-com, the Gmail, the Instagram, the Twitter. Pete, is there anything more? facebook.com forward slash
0: fantastic geek with the ph all one word click that like and we will always be on the other end of it
1: well pete i'm gonna head back on to the long range shuttle here and go back to the enterprise would you like to leave us with some final words
0: i'm gonna go munch me some
1: yellow root to give me my flat teeth